what's up, man? What's new with you? Uh, you know, Jake, it's been an interesting week, but uh, it, it's going it's going good. Excited uh, to be here and and talk. You know, I've never been on a podcast before, so uh, here we go, dude. Here we go. Everybody listening, welcome to the Community Faith Podcast. We on this show kind of break down what we're learning as a church um, at the weekend messages and kind of kind of break it down and talk about some of the things, go a little bit deeper, um, just essentially have a conversation about what God's teaching us collectively as a body of believers. And so this week we are honored and blessed to be joined by Blake Rusk. Um, Blake, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself um, however you see fit. <laughs> Thanks for that open-ended um, yeah. opportunity. So uh, like Jake said, my name is Blake Rusk. I'm a certified financial planner, uh, senior vice president, uh, financial advisor with RBC Wealth Management. Um, so, you know, basically what I do for a living is, is help people save and help people live off their savings once they enter retirement. So, you know, I've, I've got um, kind of that background in schooling and education, the certifications and degrees that go along with that kind of in the, uh, the financial advising world. Yeah. Senior vice president. That's, that's fancy. I don't know. It's just like, it's <laughs> away. I'm, I'm over here, like not even able to remember what my job title is. So, um, but I know that you certainly have me beat. Um, no, it's, it's cool. I, Blake, I think that your perspective, um, it just being a, a unique kind of outside of, of community of faith voice, um, will be super valuable today. And so I've got some questions lined up for you. Um, this weekend, um, we got to hear from Pastor Mark, um, kind of all flipping our economy script on its head and how, you know, there's really, there's really two kingdoms, essentially, like there's God's kingdom and there's this like earth kingdom or like we, this kingdom that we build ourselves, you know, my four walls and my, my dog and my wife and my kid. Um, and it's kind of this uphill battle that I think Christians, especially American Christians or affluent American Christians, you know, we live in the, the Houston suburbs. I think it's this battle that we all have to fight. And for some of us, this has been like a really difficult year. Um, just a lot of uncertainty, a lot of financial strain. Um, you know, we've been all over the place. And so um, I guess my first question is like how, like I think it's difficult for us, this whole series that we're in is called Hope for Your Home. And so this last weekend was Hope for Our Finances. I feel like it's difficult for us to have hope for our home, for our home family unit, when there's financial strain present. And so it just seems like it's harder to count your blessings. And I feel like it's like our, our money situation, our job situation has this, has more weight than some of the other things in our life for whatever reason. Um, do you think that's the case? Um, or, or why do you think it's hard for us to, to have hope, hope for our future or for our homes if we're in a, a situation where there's financial strain? Yeah. I Jake, I do think that's that's accurate, and especially in the culture and the country we live in, um, money is really kind of the grease of, of of American life, and certainly secular American life. When you have it, when you apply it appropriately, it can make things run smoother. And without it, um, you know, things start to squeak and stick a little bit. You know, satisfaction in your current situation is is harder to have when all of a sudden, like you can't put food on the table or you can't go on that trip you used to go on, whether it's financial or just in general COVID related. I mean, um, 
it's really easy to let money and finances dictate happiness rather than viewing money as a tool. Um, and I think that strain comes especially when, you know, it's lacking or you, it feels like it's lacking. Yeah. And it's almost one of those things where it's like, it, there's never enough, you know, you, when, when there's more, you buy a, a more expensive mortgage or, you know, a higher car lease. And so it's like, absolutely. it's like, I, uh, I'm really bad at golf. And when I hit, uh, a bad shot I get mad like when everybody hits a bad shot you know but I watch the people on the tour and they hit a shot that's like just in the rough you know or like they maybe miss the green by a couple of feet and on their approach shot and they're mad and like you never stop hitting bad shots in golf um your definition of bad shot changes and so I feel like for a lot of us maybe um yeah like there's just never enough money it's like your definition of what comfort is or you know a security blanket or your definition of wealth just kind of changes um yeah i mean my one of my mom's favorite sayings is comparison is the thief of joy um you can always find somebody with more money you can always find a bigger house you can always find a nicer car um and having you know self-satisfaction and just peace and where you're at is is not always easy to attain um it's a difficult kind of struggle to feel like, okay, what is enough? Where am I comfortable? What do I have? And you're never going to find the answer to that if you're always looking around the room, the church, your workplace and saying, okay, well, how am I doing compared to everybody else? Hmm. It's, you know, it's a personal thing. And, you know, it's a God thing too, because it's not, you know, if we look at the examples we have, it's not about how much someone had or how much somebody gave it was about where their heart was and where their contentment lied Um, if your contentment lies in money there's no way you can ever have enough like there's there's just no way money or stuff is ever gonna satisfy um you completely because you can always get you know always appears you can get more yeah so i kind of feel like there's this I feel like it goes way back with Christianity. It's like embedded in capitalism. Um, it's like what we read in the Bible seems to kind of like there's this this wall or this fine like knife's edge line that I've been kind of grown up learning to try to walk where it's like we have, the, it, these are all good things, you know, um, being able to, to to take care of your family and being able to retire and, you know, um, work really hard and like have a good job and you know I, I hope that I can my, my parents helped me pay for college so I'm like I hope that I can do that for my son like it's like all of these good things on the one hand and then on the other hand you have like the teachings of Jesus like don't store up treasures on earth and like no one can love both God and money and so like how how do you how would you recommend I guess walking that line um, putting money in its rightful place I guess Right. I, I mean, personally, this is a daily battle. I mean, I'm, I'm by nature very much a saver. If it helps if that's kind of my job as well. Um, and, and so like I have, you know, I, I get paid on a quarterly basis. So four times a year I give, you know, I write a big check to the church. Um, and every time I do it, there's a, there's a part of me that's like, well, maybe, maybe you don't meet your full tithe pledge this time. Like, you really don't have to do it this time. It, 
And because it's not set up like on an automatic basis, like it's an actual decision I go by because I, you know, I, my paycheck changes because I, I work off commissions. Um, and it's a struggle. Like I feel that little, that little monster inside of me say, you know, you don't, you don't need to do that. Like, you know, this is yours. You worked hard for it. Um, and it's, it, it's a struggle, but what helps, you know, at least me is viewing money as the tool, not the goal. Um, you know, tool, it's a great tool. It can help your kids go to good schools. It can help your kid go to college and not have debt. It can allow you and your family to have great experiences that bring you closer together. But if your goal is, you know, to have a certain number of zeros in your bank account, it starts to sour and money starts to take the rightful place that, that God should take as being the most important thing. Um, and money is not never going to love you back. You know, just, mm. just ask, ask the people, um, you know, who ended up on the wrong side of the tech bubble or the financial crash. I mean, you know, money, money has no feelings for you. So why would you want to make that, um, you know, your end all be all. That's so good money's not gonna look back i i have but that, you know this is what i have to tell myself like money that's doesn't love me back. why would i want that to be my god like that's that's mm. pointless um and i think you know practically like understanding what you spend your money on provides really good insights on what's important to you yes i mean i i see this all the time uh, with people trying to save or struggling to save and i'm like where where does your money go and they have no idea um, but where your money goes is a great representation of where your heart is, um, and what, and what's important. I, so a couple of years ago, I heard, uh, I was listening to a Matt Chandler sermon and he was talking about this, this general idea and a practical step he gave people. And I love this and I've done it before is like when you hear a, a, a preacher talk about money like our kind of natural, maybe not for everybody, but like your natural instinct might be like, yeah, that's, this is all great preacher pastor, but like, you should be, you should, my brother should hear this. He's got a boat, you know? Um, <laughs> but it, it was essentially to print off your, your, your card statement, your bank statement, whatever it is, um, and just read it. And it's not like, Hey, it's not with the idea of like going through and, you know, shaming yourself or like, how can I change this? How can I, you know, not spend so much money on this or that? It was just to, just to read it, to know, um, and you get, it's, it's a, it's a really, um, it's a culling process. It's like a, uh, convicting process. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, and it helps you align your money with your values yeah. and, you know, and sometimes you can find, you're like, Ooh, that's a waste. Like I don't use that subscription anymore. Or yeah. I don't, I don't pay for that anymore. And you can make room for, for savings or funding kingdom work or something like that. But, you know, the goal is to just understand, is your money reflecting your heart? And if it's not, how can you align the two? Yeah, because I mean that's straight from the mouth of Jesus. You know where your where your money is, your heart will be there. And kind of thinking vice versa, we like to think like, oh, I, I my heart's here. Let me get my money there. But it's the opposite of that. It's you know where your money is, that's where your heart is. Um, something else you mentioned that I wanted to hit on um, with the commission. I the biggest game changer for me personally in my uh, kind of journey to being not more generous, but being more open-handed with my money and saying, like, you know what, God, this is your money first kind of thing and, and giving to church specifically on a regular basis with a regular amount. 
um, was the automatic thing. Um, right. Because I'm so good at giving automatic, you know, bills, like paying bills automatically. It, it helps me because I'm not just not the type of person to, who even wants to like see it and make sure it was right. I just like, man, I don't want to ever see it. And so for me, the automatic situation has worked really, really well because the money never hits my hands. It's like the day after payday or the day of payday. I've got it set it up to where it's like I never got it and it was always God's money. And there's no opportunity for me to like thumb the money and think, you know, man, this was a tough month. I had to buy tires or my car broke down again. You know, maybe not this month. Um, it kind of eliminates since I have that natural propensity for greed to like come in and try to like get a foothold and start to, to, to rule and reign in my life. Um, it kind of eliminates that specific opportunity, at least when it comes to giving to church. Now, I don't think it's a, a full, um, you know, I don't think it's going to fully eliminate greed from my life. But um, on that note, like I've learned recently, somebody asked me like, hey, what do you think like the number one sin is in Cyprus that our people are probably struggling with, you know? And I thought about it for a while and I think I came up with greed. Like, I think it's a silent killer. Mm. We like to, to not think of it as this big nasty sin, you know, like we do some of, some of the other sins that, you know, people get fired over, but you know, I haven't heard of anybody stepping down because they're greedy. Now they do something illegal. Yeah. But not just because they're greedy. And so, um, so I think it's got a tight grip on our culture. I don't even think we realize the extent of it. Um, but I think there's freedom in Christ from all sin and, and I think including greed, there's freedom in Christ. And so I I really, I want that for everybody. And so, um, in your opinion, Blake, what do you think, what are some steps that we can take to get freedom from our finances? Um, if that makes sense, like, um, I think a lot, when a lot of times we talk about financial freedom, most people just think it's having enough of a cushion or enough of a bubble, but I think there's probably a different way to get to a sense of financial freedom when it's really just freedom from the worry or the anxiety that comes along with it because maybe our money is not in the right place and on the right priority. Right. Um, you know, the bank accounts an idol we're absorbed with materialism. I think we can be free from that. Um, so maybe what are some steps that like you would take or you have taken or you've, you've seen or would recommend? Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got, a lot of practical examples. I've read really good um, books and philosophies on savings and how to manage one's finances appropriately. Um, but I, for me, the real freedom comes in, and we touched on it earlier, is having money and God in, in the right place. And, and that's a little churchy um, for me. And, you know, I'm a really practical, logical person. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's been really true in my own life that, you know, if I want freedom from greed, the answer is not to save and accumulate more. The answer is to have God be more important than money. Um, And that needs to be the base. And then after that, you know, the the really practical step that that has helped, um, you know, I see I see a lot of especially children of clients because most of my clients have been successful, done a good job saving um, in the next generation. It tends to not be as frugal or as as cheap um, as as their parents were, um, and they don't even you know some people don't even understand like there's a lot of freedom that comes in spending less than you make. Hmm. If you can just spend less than you make and you've got money left over at the end of the month, 
um, it takes some pressure off and it takes some stress off. So, you know, that, that needs to be the case because no matter how much money you make, I can assure you, I've seen somebody spend that. Um, it doesn't matter how many millions of dollars you won in the lotto. I've seen someone burn through it. Like it, it can happen. Um, so you need to learn to spend less than you make. But God's also got to be the most important thing if you want true freedom, because otherwise you're going to sit there and you can agonize over your finances. And should I cut the cable cord or do I need to move in order to save money? Um, but, you know, the, the freedom for me um, from worry doesn't come from a bank account. It comes from knowing that, that God's really going to take care of me if I lose my job, if I, you know. I'm going to be okay because my my salvation and my soul is secure, um, but that doesn't remove the need um, I have to want to provide financially for my family. But it helps take some of the pressure off in my eyes. Yeah, something you said reminded me of the. Uh, I think it's a Matthew five passage. I know it's Sermon on the Mount. Um, you know about God's provision, and you know the like look to like the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. They don't worry about tomorrow they don't they know that god's going to provide for them that god's going to clothe them um and it's kind of teaching us how not to worry it's a really familiar passage um but one thing specific about it that stood out to me i think this last week it came up in my study was um that the lilies grow where they're planted um and i think my mm-hmm. friend said that verbatim it's like they grow where they're planted and you know they neither toil nor worry or whatever um but it's like man how can i grow where i'm planted Yes, physically, like my location, where I'm at in my job, um, but also kind of financially. How can I how can I grow where I'm planted, where God has me? And just it, you're right, like it's trusting God over everything. Um, easier said than done, but true nonetheless. Um, and so, I guess like let's while, while we're kind of getting practical, because um, I need this advice too as a complete type B uh, number four enneagram who uh, doesn't like this stuff at all. Um, <laughs> And doesn't really care about um, this stuff, even though I do like trading stocks. Um, I don't know. Um, what? So what would you say for somebody who's like, maybe they would call it financial crisis? Um, you know, we're in debt and um, we're not investing our money. We're not saving any money um, and we're not really giving. What, what would be, well, I, I guess order of importance um, I'm sorry sure. if I'm putting you on the spot here. If this is really outside of your expert, expertise, I'm not sure. Um, so maybe, you know, I don't do a whole lot of this professionally because people don't come to me in need, but I do a lot of this practically, um, you know, both personally and, and helping friends and, and kind of just in, in studies out of interest. And, you know, the, the, first, the first thing anybody needs to do is just do a, a genuine, honest self-assessment. And I don't care if you're deeply in debt, unemployed, or you're highly employed and saving well. An honest and genuine self-assessment is the best step. And what do I mean by that? Um, you know, take a look at everything um, and just look at what are you spending on? Is it important? Is it necessary? Or is it something that, you know, just enhances your life and you enjoy? And then if you need to start paying down debt or saving more, you know, you have to keep the things that are truly important. Um, But some of the things that maybe aren't, you can do without. 
And what do I mean by that? You know, the easiest way to save or to pay down debt or have more money left over at the end of the month is by focusing on the biggest expenses. So housing, transportation, um, things like that, eating out. Those are the typically the top three expenses that most people have. So if you're renting a place and you're going into debt more and more, you probably need to live in a less expensive place. Um, now I'm not saying go break your lease and, and, and do it today, but that needs to be part of the assessment. Can I afford to live where I'm living? Can I afford to drive what I'm driving? Um, should I be in something more practical? Um, I had a guy come to me and he made a great, he made a great wage. Him and his wife both made over six figures. And he's like, I just can't make ends meet. He's like, what's my problem? I'm like, your house is too expensive. You pay for a private school for your kids and you have $300,000 plus cars. Like you can't afford that. You've got payments on everything. And he's like, well, but that's important to me. And I'm like, well, what's more important? Is it more important to have savings and, and provide for your family? Or is it more important to drive that car? Well, Do you need three of them? Um, and so like, you know, you just have to, you know, I would call it common sense, kind of taking a look at what you have and then find the biggest areas you're comfortable making cuts. You know, cutting out Starbucks coffee every day is great, but, you know, seven bucks only goes so far you know, um, a day, you can, you can save a lot more by on the big things. Um, and then where I would focus on is you've always got to do some type of saving. Even if you have debt, you've got to have an emergency fund. Um, and what I mean by that is three to six months of necessary expenses. Cause if you lose your job, I'm really hoping you cut out a lot of the fluff that like you don't need, right. like you don't need five, you know, different, um, streaming subscriptions if you're unemployed. Like, I don't know, man. I would make an argument that if you're unemployed, like, well, I mean, you're going to need to be streaming a lot of TV. No, I'm totally Well, you either need to, you're either streaming a lot of TV or you're spending a lot of time trying to find another job. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably the right Uh, way to do it. What's more important there? Um, but yeah, I mean, you've just got it. You've got to build that up. Um, pay down debt, focus on the highest interest rate first. Credit card debt can absolutely destroy people. Um, there's never, ever a reason to carry credit card debt long-term. I mean, sometimes people can't avoid it if they've got medical bills and other things like that, but that's got to be your focus to, to pay that off, emergency fund. And then you start looking for retirement savings. And then once that bucket, um, you start to max that out, then you can start saving and investing with what I would call after tax dollars or just like a regular brokerage account. Right. I, um, I learned recently, I, we don't necessarily do this again. I'm type four. My wife is like really the person who handles all of this stuff. Thank you, Rachel. Love you. Um, so we, um, we were trying something similar where we're kind of saving the amount a month that, that Dave Ramsey has mentioned as a good number. Um, not that I'm like a all in for Dave Ramsey, but I know there are a lot of people here who are, um, but I don't know if this is from him, but I've heard our pastors say it recently. It's kind of like this 10, 10, 80 principle where you're saving 10%, uh, you're giving 10% away saying, Hey, this is, this is for God. This is for your kingdom. This is for, um, you know, this isn't mine. 
um, and then you're living off of the the eighty percent. And so I don't know if that seems to to work out or not, but it sounds pretty good for for us. And so we're doing something like that right now. But yeah, I mean it's it's a great principle and it's a great like thing to work towards. Um, and then what you've just got to do is your situation evolves and you start saving. Um, you know, just continue to challenge yourself. Continue to challenge yourself to. A, stand behind the things that are important to you, whether that's, you know, a, a kingdom cause and, you know, finding a place to give away your time and, and your money and in finding that, whether that's, you know, the church and, and the mission opportunities there, whether you have an outside, you know, opportunity that you really support. Me and my wife have um, friends that do college ministry at Lamar University, and that's important to us. We have a heart for college kids. We really stand by and, and love these friends and have walked through life with them. And so we support them financially and that's important to us. And we've, you know, we've, um, as it's made sense to, for us, tried to increase how much we can provide to that ministry because we know there's needs there. Um, so we, we try and meet our 10% tithe and we try and challenge ourselves to find causes that are important to us for, you know, above and beyond that as, as God blesses us to, to, to be able to stand behind those. Yeah. I think there, for me, thinking about like giving up my time and my talents and my resources, um, I feel like I go back and forth between like, man, um, time is, I think for some people, time is the most difficult thing to give. And so Mm -hmm. um, I've met a lot of people who are in that boat and they're extremely generous with their resources it's kind of this, I had a guy when I was in college going, like raising money for a, a missions opportunity. And I asked my friends in college, like, hey, do you guys want to be a part of this? Like a, a dollar, you know, or two, like I'm not, I know none of us have money. And one of my friends was um, in love with missions. I mean, he, he, was, he was a missionary um, and loved going abroad and stuff. And he had to do some kind of, he was a pre-med student. He had to do some medical thing that summer. And he gave me way too much money for a college kid. And I was like, Nate, no, like, you don't have to do this. Like, I'm going to find the money. You know, I've got a job and everything. He's like, no, I can't go anywhere this summer. You're going for me. And so it it reminded me that for everybody like me who was super broke and frugal um, and wanted to give just my time because I didn't have money to give, um, there was somebody who was super generous and like God had blessed them and asked them to be generous beyond, you know, even beyond their 10%, you know, just, just crazy amounts of generosity. Um, and it was just cool. It was cool to be a part of that. And he, you know, taught me something and blessed me something. Nate Crest did, you know, more so than just giving me the money he gave me to, to support me that summer. And so, um, I, I think that, that pastor Mark would say, Hey, if you're not in a place where you can save or give, um, just start doing it, start somewhere, you know, maybe have your goal right. be 10, 10, 80, you know, have your goal be saving 10% a month, have your goal be giving 10% a month. Um, but if you can't, then start somewhere, start doing it today. That's like the first step, um, and build that habit. Um, just like we would with anything else, just like we would with prayer or we would with, with studying to know God more, um, just building that habit, I guess. And so, um, I don't know, that's a, I, I hope that that brings hope to any listeners who, you know, might be in, in financial strain. And as we heard about earlier, I mean, it's crazy to hear about somebody who would make as much money as this, this client that um, would still be uh, having a difficult time. And so that just kind of proves the point that, you know, 
we are here in a, in a society that's kind of ruled by money, trying to make it a society that's ruled by God. And so uh, with all that said, um, we talked about volunteering and, and giving of your time as well. Um, we have a, an awesome weekend coming up uh, later in the month where we're going to mobilize all of you guys, a thousand community of faith, friends and family to uh, just go out and serve our city and be seen serving our city. And the goal is, um, is to get us just falling in love with the, the hundreds of thousands of people in Northwest Houston who don't know the Lord yet and um, to show them that we're not crazy people, but we are just full of Christ's love. And so um, consider joining in on that. You'll hear more about that this weekend. Blake, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Any wisdom from you? Yeah, I mean, my, I would just I would just echo um, what you said there, Jake. And you just got to you've got to start somewhere. Uh, my favorite anecdote on that, that that I use in my practice um, is is the movie Eddie the Eagle. Um, it's about the guy who desperately wants to be in the Olympics, um, but he has no um, special uh, gifts. He, he's not he's not fast. He's not a fencer. He can't wrestle. He didn't know Taekwondo. Like he, he didn't do much of anything. And so he's like, well, you know, England's never had a ski jumper, so I'm going to learn how to ski jump. Um, and the first time he goes off a ski jump, he crashes and burns and he go, it was going off the one like the little kids were, but he works and builds his way up and he ends up walking the opening ceremonies. I mean, you've got to start somewhere and now he didn't win a gold medal, but his goal was to get there. Right. And he was able to qualify and get there. And we've all, you know, we're not all going to be Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, um, we're not all going to get there to be billionaires. And that's not the goal that most of us should have or do have. Um, but taking that one next step is important in all the areas of your life. You want to improve financially, spiritually. You've just got to take that one next step and, and just gradually improve. So if you're saving 2%, try and save 3% next year. Just keep, keep edging it up and up and up until you get what you consider to be on track. Well, uh, Blake, thank you so, so much for uh, joining us today. And um, we're, just tru we're truly honored to, uh, to have you on the show, man. And, uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks. Friend, so. All right, man. We'll, uh, we'll see you later. Okay. Bye.